Welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm Travis Polly, and here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. In this episode, Wes and I sit down to discuss a listener's question about the theology of work. I hope you enjoy this study. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Bible Study Podcast. Here, as always, with Wes McAdams. Hi, Wes. Hi, Travis. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing very well. We have a, uh, a question here today from Stephen Skaggs, listener and uh, guest at one time on the podcast, yeah. if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Former yeah. guest, yeah. I think maybe at least one episode mm-hmm. we, went, we talked about um, uh, different... Um, it was atonement. Yes, that's right. Atonement theories. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. Yeah, good job. <laughs> and today, Stephen asks, uh, he has a question about what the Bible says about our work. He says, work, Paul often gives a theology to work. Will we work in the new creation? What does it mean their work follows them? In connection to the bodily resurrection, he says work is not in vain. Should we love our work? Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, great questions. Um, To the answer to the last one, yes, we should love our work. (laughs) Uh, I I hope we love our work. Um, I guess some of our work we don't love, and we might talk about why we don't love our work at times. Uh, but yeah, Stephen has such good questions, several of them packed into, into one um, sort of theme here. Um, I want to focus first where he asks, what does it mean that their work follows them? And I think that that's a reference to Revelation 14, um, that their deeds will follow them or their work will follow them. Um, and I think that that's a, a good place to start, and I think that, that that'll give us at least something to think about as it pertains to our work. Um, I don't know that that this particular text, that the Spirit in this text who says this, um, I don't know that the Spirit has in mind um, our vocation as we think about work, but definitely our deeds or our labor. Um, and, and the book of Revelation is all about uh, the turmoil that we experience um, or that they were specifically experiencing at that time, the, the difficulty, the challenge, the persecution, and the encouragement that John and the revelation that John has and that he has given to giving to the seven churches, the encouragement to persevere, the encouragement to be faithful even to the point of death. And so uh, it says in Revelation 14, verse 13, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them, that they will rest from their labors for their deeds uh, follow them. Um, and I think the emphasis here is that um, that for the Christian uh, that, that has been struggling, uh, that has been persecuted, uh, that has been living this, this difficult life, and has been laboring and toiling and, and faced with all of this, this pain uh, that has been associated with their faithfulness, that when death comes, they're able to rest from their labors. They're able to enjoy uh, a, a rest. Um, but it also says that their deeds follow them. So I think the idea there is that what we do really matters, what we do really matters. Our labor really matters. Our work really matters. Our deeds really matter. That uh, for for God's people, what we do now will be remembered by God. That that God will uh, reward us based on what we're doing right now. That that 
that we're going through this period of, of challenge and difficulty, and for them, and for many Christians around the world, persecution. Um, and, and, and it's hard. It's, it's difficult. And that when death comes, we're able to, to rest from, from this period of work. Um, and, and what we do now will be remembered by God, that, that what we do now really matters uh, to God. So in that sense, um, no, to, to Stephen's original question, should we love our work or will we always love our work? I think the answer is, yes, it would be great if we loved our work. Um, but I think that in our context in 21st century America, it's really easy to think um, about vocation or work or life or what we do for God or our faithfulness as something we can enjoy or should enjoy. And I think that's that's sort of a, a product of how how spoiled we are, how privileged we are, how comfortable we are in our 21st century culture, uh, that for the majority of people around the world today, much less in the first century, much less the persecuted Christians that John is writing to, uh, did they love their work? I mean, I don't know that that especially the things that John is talking about here um, or that the Spirit is testifying to here, I don't think that they they love that. The whole idea is that that this is painful, this hurts, this is this is bad. Uh, but the good things that they're doing, in spite of how bad it hurts, in spite of how difficult it is, in spite of how challenging it is, that it will be remembered, that God will remember the good works that you do. Um, and I think there is a, a love that can come from that, um, a love of doing something that we know this matters because my deeds will follow me. God will remember this good work that I'm doing for his glory and in his name. But I don't know that that means that we're going to enjoy it. I don't know that that means that we're going to have fun doing it because we might find ourselves in a situation where what we do um, it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It just hurts. It's just really bad. And there are a lot of people in the world um, that are um, just trying to survive, that are just trying to make it day by day, um, trying to do the best they can to not only provide for themselves and their families, uh, but also to share with others, to be generous, to be the people that God is calling them to be. And it's very difficult. And so, yeah, I think some of us get to enjoy the work that we do and love the work that we do. And others um, are just trying to persevere and just trying to make it through the work that they're doing. Well, I think, you know, at the heart of that question, you know, does it, you know, does our work matter? Um, I think that that's, you know, whether you look at somebody who's a Christian and subscribes to the theology of Jesus, um, or I think anybody from any background, I think that's kind of a fundamental question that everybody's asking is, does it, does anything we do here matter? And obviously on, you know, if you follow some of those questions, through to their conclusion, I, I think you you get to a place that's nihilistic. Mm. Um, you know, Jesus expresses that sentiment. You know, you know, if if, if it doesn't matter, if if there's no resurrection, for example, uh, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. You know, that I, I think you can get there if you if you start thinking that it doesn't matter uh, one way or the other, not just in a positive sense that you know 
that your work would have a positive effect on on people now and to come, uh, but also the negative sense that if you do bad things, that it will have a negative consequence on those now and those to come. Um, if, if you sort of just sit in the middle of that and say that it, nothing matters, mm-hmm. uh, then you can do anything. You can, yeah. uh, you can do anything and you can achieve nothing. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I think that a lot of faiths and a lot of philosophies attempt to, uh, are, are attempting to answer that question of how, how, to, how to make it matter and how to make it feel like it matters mm-hmm. may be more important, <laughs> I think, yeah. to us at times. And I think something that's, I'm reminded as you were kind of opening this topic up just now, I'm reminded of something that's come up recently in several episodes about um, making it about Jesus and getting out of the way. Um, and it, it occurs to me that that's, you know, sort of a, a, at least at least a blanket general antidote to uh, this question of does our work matter? Uh, should we love our work? I think it. I think it gets into that. That um, when it's all about me, um, sometimes the the highs of loving work, uh, whether whether it's work here at the church or whether it's work I have to do in my daily life, um, if it's about me, the highs of that are are pretty great because I get to enjoy them and I'm very focused on that. But then the lows of that are pretty low because it's, well, I'm not enjoying it. I'm down. I'm, you know, whatever. And I think that there's kind of a leveling off, uh, at my better moments when it is about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is about, um, working in a way that, that, uh, that honors the, the faith in the life to come. Mm -hmm. Um, when it becomes about that, the highs aren't maybe quite as high in the moment, but the lows sure aren't as low because you can get through that. Um, anyway, that's that's kind of my yeah. initial thoughts. No, I think here. that's exactly right, and I think so much of what you had to say, and 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 even Stephen's question at the heart of so much of what he asks about resurrection and about um, theology, the theology of work, and and even here in the context of Revelation fourteen, is the idea that it matters because of what is to come. That that death can be a rest uh, from our labors, and that there's something that comes after. Um, and, and that's really at the heart of books like Ecclesiastes, that if this is all there is, if it's just life under the sun, then it is, as you said, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, if this is all there is. But there's not, that there is an eternity, there is something that comes after this. God can see the big picture, and so the conclusion of Ecclesiastes is fear God and keep his commandments. Do the work that God commands you to do, because it really does matter, even though it all seems like it is, the Hebrew word is hevel, it's all smoke, it seems like it's all just, somebody said on the podcast the other day, you open every door and every door is an empty room, that you think that when you go in, I think that was Caleb Cochran that said that, that you you go into a room and you expect to find something of substance there, and it's not. And I think that that's, that, that really gets to the second point I want to make about work, is that that the reason it feels the way that it does, the reason it's so painful, the reason it's so challenging, the reason it all feels so very meaningless and temporary is because of the fall. That work is a product of it's not a product of the fall. Work is actually a part of creation itself. We are designed 
to work. We are designed to be people that do things, to be creatures that work beside God. And in our work, we reflect the image of God into the world. However, the fall brought about the consequences. The fall brought about the pain associated with work. The fall did not bring about work. And I, I think sometimes we tend to think that uh, life in the garden, life in paradise is life without work. But again, work was always part of creation, even prior to the fall. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, this is prior to the fall. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. That work is not an evil thing. Work is not a bad thing. Work is not a quote-unquote necessary evil. Work is not a product of the fall. Work is part of God's good creation. In the Garden of Eden, before the fall, Adam was put there to work the garden. But before the fall, work was free of what I usually refer to as tension, that, that the fall created tension, but I've actually started to play around with the word friction, that the fall created friction. It created this uh, animosity. It created this difference and and this disharmony. Um, and so where before the fall, work was frictionless. Work was frictionless. Things like the animals came and God presented them to Adam and Adam named all of the animals. And it seems like a frictionless work. But as we know, work becomes more challenging, more difficult, more painful as the friction increases. If you're trying to push a big box across the floor, if the floor is made out of ice, then it's pretty easy. If it's made out of sandpaper or if it's rocks, it's going to be very difficult because the more friction there is, the more challenge and difficulty there is, the more pain is associated with it. And, and that's what happens with the fall. After Adam and Eve's sin, there is friction between God and humans. There is friction between Adam and Eve, between humans and other humans. There is friction between humans and even creation itself, even the ground itself. And so now Adam has to continue to work the ground, but now his work is going to be burdensome. There's going to be toil associated with it, the sweat of his brow. It's going to be painful. It's going to be difficulty. They're difficult. There's going to be thorns and thistles that grow up from the ground. Now there is going to be friction. And now all of our work has friction associated with it. It's all difficult. It's all challenging. And because of the fall and because we don't have access to the tree of life, everything is mortal. Everything is perishable. And so we work really hard and our work is difficult and challenging and filled with friction. And then we, we build something and then at some point it all comes crumbling down. And we, we are left with this frustrated feeling of, we were created to work. We were created. There's something inside of us that says, I want to design. I want to create. I want to build. I want to make things beautiful. I want to make things easier. I want to help reduce the friction in people's life. And I want to make things good. And then it's so hard to accomplish it. And then we have friction with each other. And you say, here's the best way to do what we want to accomplish. And I say, no, 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 it's this other way. And we're, we're at odds with each other. And then creation is at odds with us. And there's so much friction involved. And then once we do get something built, 
then it it sort of all crumbles and falls away. And so Solomon says, it's all, it's all hevel, it's all smoke, it's all difficult and challenging, and then we die. What's it all for? What's it all about? And so I think that as we talk about work, we have to talk about both sides of that, that human beings were created to work. They were created to make the world more beautiful. They were created to make things more useful. They were created to put things in order, to take the garden. So here God creates the garden and he puts man in it to work it and to keep it. So it it either wasn't perfect or it wasn't what God wanted it to be or what it could become or that it had to undergo constant maintenance to keep it the way that it was supposed to be. But whatever it was, Adam's job was to make it good, make it better, improve, make it more beautiful, make it more useful. And in every one of us, there is that natural desire to work and do things to make the world a better place. But there's also the consequences of the fall that we have to talk about, and it affects every single one of us and all of the work that we do. It's difficult and challenging, and it feels helpless and worthless at times. So I like how you said that uh, it's part of the curse, not um, or it's not part of work is not a part of the curse, but part of creation. Mm-hmm. I think we feel that like I know something I've noticed about myself uh, is I really like even like jobs that I've had, like, I, you know, I've worked in like data entry and, you know, did some of that stuff through college in my early 20s. But um, some of that, like where you do the same thing over and over again, like it gets very repetitive. It gets very hard um, to like pay attention while you do it. Um, but I, 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 one thing I noticed was like, well, even those jobs that eventually became very mundane and very hard to, to get motivated to do over and over and over again. In the beginning, I was always excited. There was always a, a novelty to it that I was, that I was excited about. And I think like one of my passions right now, uh, I know we're talking about the theology of it, but on a practical level, I'm just interested like um, like how we frame it because I, I've definitely found like how we frame what we're what we're what we have to do, what we're supposed to do, what we want to do, uh, is so much a part of. It's going to be so much a part of uh, how it feels when we're doing it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, one of my passions right now is. Um, is fixing things. So not just, you know, oh, it broke. Okay, I guess I got to get a new one. But if, if, you know, trying to see if there's any way I can fix it, you know, and some things are are, are easier than others uh, to get started and, and learn an, a new skill in doing that. And that's like, that's a way that I've found is like, because there's an element of creation in that mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm having to create, okay, I've got to f- develop some new skills to solve the problem. And that's where, again, there's friction and that can be tough, but it's not, it doesn't drive me to that place where it feels meaningless yeah. because that I've found it like there's a difference between, well, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, if you've ever done hard work, uh, like with friends, that's a lot different than doing hard work just by yourself or, or with people that aren't friends, you know, mm-hmm. like there's, there's, it, there's always a way to frame it in a way that's, uh, that that's different than that doesn't have to go to that meaningless place, yeah. even if there's a if, if there's that tension or that friction yeah. that makes it hard. What do you? Uh, yeah, you no, I that? think that's exactly right. I think that that it it does make the world a better place, and and that's what we we have to 
to focus on. And when we do, it really gives it really gives purpose and meaning and beauty to the work that we do. Even if somebody is crunching numbers, keeping in mind the bigger picture that they're doing this mathematical work, this analytical work, this um, administrative work, that it's actually making the world a better place. It's contributing to, hopefully, and if you can't figure that out, maybe, maybe if it's possible to find another job, maybe you should. Maybe we should all try to find some way that we can see how our efforts are contributing to better human flourishing, that human beings and that God's creation and that the world is made better by the work that we're doing, because it it can and it should. I, the work that we're doing, and I think to Stephen's question, should we love our work? Yes, to that degree, yes. And again, there's a paradox to it. In living in the right now, in living in this age, there is a paradox that says the work that I do makes the world a better place. It makes the world a more beautiful place. It contributes to human flourishing. And at the same time, it also says, yes, but everything is corrupted and everything is defiled and everything is coming apart and everything is. And it's like, yes, both of those things are true. And this is where the gospel speaks to it, is that that Jesus brings us the good news of the kingdom in that he makes us little bits of new creation even right now. That right now we are doing work that matters. And and Stephen references 1 Corinthians 15 that because of the resurrection, because of the res- resurrection, our work is not in vain. So the work that we do for Jesus, it it matters right now because paradoxically, again, we are new creation people that are still living in the midst of old creation. And in some ways that can make it even more frustrating because we see the the brokenness of the world. We see how things are not the way that they're supposed to be, how we do the laundry and then a few minutes later it feels like we're doing the laundry again, how everything seems to be on this endless cycle. But at the same time, we look forward to what Jesus not only will do, but is already doing. And this really brings us to another passage that I want to dig into, because I think that this, there, there is a, and we've said this many times on the podcast before, there's an already and a not yet aspect to the kingdom that, that yes, we look forward to what will be in the resurrection. And, and yes, I believe that we will do work in the resurrection, that the friction will be gone, that the, the, the defilement will be gone, that the meaningless nature of so much of these things will be gone, but that we will continue to do work that really matters. But not only in the resurrection, in the right now, because we are already new creation creatures. We are already new creatures in Jesus. And the work that we're doing right now, it it already matters in the age to come because we are little bits of the age to come right now in the midst of this current age. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 because I think this really pertains to what um, uh, to what Stephen is asking, and I think it really has a lot of overlap. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10, he says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So 
Paul says that the work that he's doing isn't in in just laying the foundation, that that foundation has already been laid, that that foundation is laid, and that he's he's doing the work of building, um, and that that everyone in the church, all of these Christians that are continuing to do various things in their life, I don't think he's talking just about teaching and preaching. That's the work that Paul has been doing in laying the foundation of Jesus. Paul's not the foundation. Peter's not the foundation. Jesus is the foundation. And back to what you said earlier, that when we keep in mind that it's all about Jesus and that he's the foundation and that everything we do is building upon that foundation that is Jesus, because we are the church. All of us are Christians. We are all the new creation. And everything we do is like building on the foundation that is Jesus. And Paul says everybody needs to take care how he builds on it, that nobody's laying a different foundation. Jesus is the foundation, and then we're all building on that foundation. Then he says in verse 12, now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved only as through fire." Now, I used to think that the only work Paul was talking about was the work of teaching and preaching, and that that these um, these elements that are built, these um, wood or straw or stone or all of these different um, um, what's the resources that that he's using as a metaphor were the people. So they were the people that were learning, the the people in the church, and that he's contrasting by contrasting the different workers, that he's contrasting different teachers. But that would seem to imply that he's saying that false teachers, their work will be burned up, the people they taught will be burned up, but they will survive. That doesn't make any sense at all. Um, I don't think that's what Paul's saying. I think he's saying that everybody, every Christian is doing work and that the day of Christ will manifest what sort of work they've been doing. Every single one of us, the foundation of Jesus has been laid, and every one of us are building something on that foundation. Every Christian in Corinth is, is building something on the foundation of Jesus. We're all building this, this building, this temple to God, and, and it's all being built on this foundation. And on the day of Jesus, th there will be a fire that will test what sort of work we're doing. And some of that work will survive the testing and some of it won't. Some of it is going to matter into the age to come and some of it doesn't and it's going to be burned up. Now, he doesn't say the person who's doing work that will all be burned up, that person will be lost. He says, no, that person's going to survive, but all the work that they've done is all going to be burned up. 
But there's there's some people that not only will they survive into the age to come, but the work that they do will survive into the age to come. So he's encouraging them, do work that will survive, do work that matters, because so much of the work that we do is just building with straw. It's just building with hay. It's, it's just building with sticks. And when the fire comes, when the testing comes, when the day of Jesus comes, our work isn't going to survive into the age to come. Yes, We'll survive, and yes, we'll be resurrected, and we'll live with Jesus, but the work that we did will all be burned up. He says, but some of the work that we're doing, some of it will actually matter into the age to come. Some of it will survive. So do that sort of work. Do the sort of work that will survive into the age to come. Any thoughts on that? Hey, you know, I, I, uh, one thought and then a question. I, I was thinking just as you were saying that, that... Um, and I, it may have been you that I heard say this, so I might be plagiarizing you, uh, which feels okay since you're here. Uh, but if it's somebody else, I apologize. But I remember hearing somebody say, um, you know, when God created the world, at the end of each day, he'd say it was good. He didn't say it was great. He didn't say it was perfect. He didn't say it was, you know, he said it was good. And I thought, I've heard that translated into how we should, you know, emulate that process of work and that process of creating and, um, and as Paul says here, building on the foundation of Jesus, um, that the goal is good and that not an impossible, impossible goal that we as temporary humans couldn't even, you know, we, we a, couldn't know if, you know, we can't know if something's perfect, if it's going to last forever necessarily. But the idea is the goal is good and then move on. <laughs> and I thought that I, I, you know, that, that occurred to me just as you were, you were saying that, but I also in terms of, we could probably do a whole podcast on this, but in terms of the the work being burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. What do you think that is? You think that has to do with like motive, or um, it, or is it the actual like just the work that we do, or all of it? I mean, yeah, no, that's a that? great that's a great question, and and I want to I want to touch on that, uh, but I want to also touch on the idea of the good because I think that's a really interesting point. the The Hebrew word there for good is tov, um, and and the idea of doing good work, doing tov work, is exactly what we're called to do. In fact, I think that's the sort of work that will survive into the age to come is when we do good works. And good works are exactly what they sound like they are, that this is the work of generosity. This is the work of helping. This is the work of blessing people in the name of Jesus, that when we do good works for people, when we do work that really is tov, that isn't harmful, that is helpful, and it isn't, it isn't just not harmful, it's not wasteful. And I, I think if we look at our life and we we look and we say, well, it's not bad. Uh, the things I'm doing aren't bad. They're not sinful. They're not wicked. But are they tov? Are they good? Do they bless people? Do they make the world a better place? And are they being done in the name of Jesus? Is the work that you're doing in the name of the Lord, does it bring glory to God? Or are you, as we've talked about 
many times here recently, just trying to build a name for yourself? Are you just trying to, to build a house of cards? Because that house of cards, it will be burned up and it's worthless. And all you're doing is wasting time. And it's not to say that person isn't saved. It's just to say that their work won't be saved. Their work is doesn't matter. And there's something deep inside of us that says, I want to do work that matters. I want to do work that will survive. And the work that will survive is the work that is done in the name of the Lord. And so throughout the New Testament, that's what we're told to do, do good works. And so if we pair that with everything Jesus says about taking care of people, helping people, serving people, that the first will be last and the last will be first. I think that that the work that that is really made out of precious jewels and stone and metal, the work that will survive the testing, are the things that seem minuscule. It's the things that seem like, well, that wasn't a big deal. You just helped this little lady or you just did this little ministry over here that helped these people. And it's like, no, that's the work that's really going to matter in the age to come. It's the the things that it looked big, it looked huge, it looked really impressive, but it was all just made out of hay. You can build a palace out of straw and it's not going to survive. You can build a small little thing out of metal or out of precious jewels and it's going to survive. And it's those things, it's the the little things that we do in the name of the Lord that are going to survive in the age to come. And I I think that's the kind of thing that really is Tove, that we can look at and we could say, that's good. That is a really good thing that we're doing. Well, that reminds me of a quote from Carl Jung. He said, most people don't find God because they don't look low enough. Mm, yeah. That's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. And that idea that you just brought up about maybe it's the little things, you know, maybe it, maybe it's, and maybe God gives us little things to work on until we're, we can graduate. You know, yes. I know that I have often, you know, thought of doing big things when there were little things right in front of me that I could have done. And so that idea of, you know, you don't find God if you don't look low enough, at least to start, is uh, it's a a good reminder. Well, and that's what Jesus says when he tells the parable about the the talents. The the one that, that came and he had five and he had five more, that he was entrusted with even more, that those that are faithful in the little things will be entrusted with more things. And I think that's going to be true in the age to come, that those that that have been faithful in this age will be entrusted with even more in the resurrection, that we'll have even more good work to do. What will that look like? What will that be? I have no idea. But I even think about parables like we talked about not too long ago about the parable of the the, um, unrighteous steward and how Jesus says that he was making preparation so that these friends that he was making with this money would receive him into their dwellings. That Jesus is encouraging us not to be unrighteous stewards, but I think the parable is about him encouraging us to use whatever we have at our disposal to make friends with people. And as we make friends with people, they will, he says, receive you into their eternal dwellings. That, that, he tells this story right alongside the rich man and Lazarus. And here was the rich man who had a beautiful home and he had plenty of food to eat and Lazarus who he didn't care about being friends with. But had he shared his wealth and his home with Lazarus, then perhaps Lazarus would have later shared his home with the rich man. 
And that's exactly what the rich man ends up wanting, is to be where Lazarus is. But because he wouldn't let Lazarus be where he was, Lazarus couldn't let the rich man be where he was. That in the age to come, it's going to be determined by what we do now, by the work that we do now, whether or not we are doing what is good. And then Paul says, and I think we have to end on this, not only does he say say that some people's work will survive and some people's work won't survive, he says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So the worst work that we can do is destructive work, is tearing down. And Paul says, if you destroy the temple, God will destroy you. The one who destroys will be destroyed. So the worst worst type of work that we can do, the best type of work is constructive work. And the best kind of constructive work is work that is done in the name of the Lord that will last into the age to come. But the worst kind of work that we can do is destructive work that tears down and destroys God's people, God's temple. And that when we do that, when we do destructive work and we do things that harm the body of Christ, that harm the church, we will not survive into the age to come. And so that's the worst sort of work. And, and again, back to the rich man and Lazarus. I mean, he was, he was sinning against the temple of God, n- not because of what he was doing at the Jerusalem temple or not doing at the Jerusalem temple, but because of what he wasn't doing for the poor man at his gate. And the church in Corinth are divided the church is is fighting with one another. They're not taking care of each other. They're not helping each other. And they are destroying the temple of God. And Paul says, God will destroy you. Some of the work that we do is wasteful, and it's just not going to survive. It's not going to make it to the age to come. Some work that we do, it really matters, and it will matter now and in the age to come. And some work that we do, destructive work, it will end up keeping us out of the kingdom of God. And so we have to not only focus on not doing destructive work, but doing constructive work that not only makes the world a better place, but brings glory to God. And that's why Paul says in in the section on 1 Corinthians 15, in the resurrection, and he says, verse 57, "'Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast,' immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Our labor is not in vain. Our work is not in vain. It really matters. Our deeds follow after us. God remembers everything that we do, all of the tov, the good work that we do that makes the world a better place and brings glory to him. And if we do this kind of good work in his name, some of it is being built in such a way that it will survive through the day of judgment and into the age to come. So I don't know about anybody else, but I know that not only do I want myself to make it into the age to come, but I also want the work that I'm doing to matter now and in the age to come. And Paul reassures us that in Christ, that's exactly what's happening. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. Special thanks to Travis Pauly, as well as our McDermott Road Church family for helping to make this podcast possible. And special thanks to every one of you. We hope that you enjoyed this Bible study and that you'll join us next time. We love you, God loves you, and we hope that you have a wonderful day.